Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. Hello, Phoebe. Hi, Dad. How are you? Well, I'm okay. More to the point, how are you? <laughs> I've been better. I've been yeah, better. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's been a, a rough couple of, of weeks. Yeah. So, uh... We had like a horrible fluey thing last week, which totally knocked you off our feet. Could have been COVID. Don't know. Didn't test for it. And then this week I've got, uh, I've had awful teeth problems, which I don't ever usually really suffer with, but basically it's all come to a head today and I've got an abscess in one of my teeth and it's Ow. unbelievably painful. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's not ideal. I've, uh, I've had better weeks. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, that's why we haven't been around much over the last two or three weeks. So what with that yeah. and other things in diaries, it's, uh, it's been a bit difficult. Yeah, March is nearly over now. I don't really understand where March <laughs> yes. has gone, to be honest. I seem to have blinked and we're nearly at the end of March. Nearly the end of March. Nearly Otto's first birthday. I know. I can't believe that he's going to be one next week. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Where's that year gone? I have no idea. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. In this episode, Phoebe, I'm going to tell you a story which is almost, but not quite, as unjust as the Edith Thompson story. Oh, okay. I mean, actually, it's it's definitely not as unjust as Edith Thompson, but it's it's um yeah. Well, we'll see, you'll see as the story goes on that it's cool. uh, yeah, okay. it's a difficult story. So this is the story of Dorothea Waddingham. Oh, okay. And I'm thankful to Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and CapitalPunishmentUK.org for the information that okay. goes into this this episode. Dorothea Waddingham was born Dorothy Nancy Marilina Allen Chandler. That's a lot of names. <laughs> it was a lot of names, yeah. In some places say it was 1899 and other places say it's 1900. So it was around about the turn of that century. <laughs> okay. Now, her parents weren't actually married at the time, but they married shortly after her birth. And Waddingham, which is the name that she's more commonly known as, mm -hmm. was her father's surname. Okay. She was born on a farm near Nottingham. And after leaving school, worked in a factory for a while before taking up a post at the Burton-upon-Trent Workhouse Infirmary. Okay. In Burton-on-Trent, <laughs> Staffordshire. Not very far from here. In fact, I go yeah. through Burton-on-Trent every time I come and see you. Mm. Here, she picked up some medical knowledge while she was working on the wards. And on the basis of that alone, she went on to pass herself off as a nurse. <laughs> so she never actually had any formal nurse training. Oh. She, it was more like, um, yeah, one of those sort of ward helpers that you sometimes see in uh, okay. in hospital but bearing in mind this was um you know in the first quarter of the uh, 20th century <laughs> she, yeah she probably could get away with it she probably could get away with it yeah in 1925 she married thomas leach a man who was twice her age so he must have been around about 50 when they got married but they mm. went on and had three children edwin oh. alan and mary during their eight-year marriage. Now, during that time, Thomas developed cancer of the throat and also 
Dorothea was sentenced to two brief prison terms for fraud and theft. Oh. <laughs> so that was a busy eight years. Three yeah. kids. A husband with an incurable disease and a couple of prison sentences. <laughs> two sins in prison. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sadly, Thomas died of, of his illness in 1933. So for that period, Dorothea was known as Dorothea Leach, but there she reverted back to her maiden name of Waddingham. And she formed a relationship with the man that had been their lodger, Ronald Sullivan, who was about six years older than her. So a bit more of an age match there. Now, together, they decided to open a nursing home at 32 Devon Drive, Nottingham. Now, I presume that is where they were living. But whether it was um, that they had rooms in their house that they turned turned into, like, nursing rooms, or whether it was a separate building, I'm not entirely sure. But nevertheless, this was approved by the county authorities who considered Dorothea a competent nurse, even though she'd only learnt what she did from just working on the wards. One of their first clients was a lady known as Mrs Kemp. She had an illness which required large doses of morphine. Now, in February... Well, yeah, (laughs) in, in, in 1935, Mrs Kemp actually died, but a considerable quantity of the drug remained on the premises of the Waddingham's nursing home. Okay. On the 12th of January 1935, so just before Mrs Kemp died, a Miss Blagg of the County Nursing Association asked them to take a couple of new patients for the princely sum of 30 shillings a week, and that's sort of £1.50. Wow. Back in the day, 20 shillings was a pound, so it was £1.10 shillings. There you go. £1.50. (laughs) So even in 1935, it doesn't sound a lot, does it? No. The newcomers were Louisa Bagley, a widow of 89, and her daughter, Ada, who was 50. Now, Ada was disabled by a progressive disease that left her unable to walk. I don't know if it was something like multiple sclerosis Mm. or something like that. And her elderly mother could no longer look after her. Mm-hmm. So with the death of Mrs. Kemp, Dorothea had an income of just the 30 shillings a week to look after these two people. Wow, okay. But Ronald, her partner, because they never actually got married, helped Dorothea to run the nursing home. And over the course of time, Dorothea and Ronald went on to have a couple of children as well as running oh. this nursing home. I guess she was still quite young at this point. Yeah, well, she was born at the turn of the century. This is 1935, so she's... Mid-30s. Mid-30s, about 35, yeah. On the 4th of May, 1935, Ada, that's the daughter, summoned her solicitor and told him she wished to change her will. She was to leave all of her savings, some £1,600, to Dorothea and Ronald, on the condition that they would look after both Louisa and Ada, it's like her and her mum, for the yeah. rest of their lives. Now, it's unclear, and it was never proven one way or another, whether or not Ada was persuaded or pressurised by Dorothea to take this action of mm. uh, getting a solicitor to change the will, or whether she decided to do it herself. But it had been suggested that maybe Dorothea had threatened to send the two women to the workhouse as she oh, couldn't no. afford to keep them for yeah. £1.50 a week. 
and the workhouse would have been unthinkable to Ada. So you don't know. Now, just a week later, on Sunday the 12th of May, Louisa, the mother, died of what was determined to be cardiovascular problems. So heart failure or something, I guess, something like that. As she was nearly 90, her death did not arouse any suspicion and a death certificate was issued and she was buried as normal. Ada continued to live happily at Devon Drive. Now, I don't know if they're still paying 30 shillings or whether it dropped to 15. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. But anyway, Ada, Ada continued to live happily at the Devon Drive nursing home and she was visited by a friend of hers, Mrs Briggs on Tuesday the 10th of September, who found her in good spirits. The following morning, Dorothea Waddingham called Dr Mansfield, Ada's doctor, and told him that Ada had gone into a coma. Oh, no. So that was on Wednesday the 11th of September. Mm -hmm. When he got to the nursing home, the doctor found that Ada had already died. And he thought that she had had a cerebral hemorrhage, like a stroke. Dorothea showed him a letter that Ada had written on the 29th of August, expressing her wish to be cremated. Convenient. Yeah, absolutely. Dr Mansfield issued a death certificate and also a certificate permitting the cremation. So the two certificates, together with Ada's letter, were sent to the crematorium where they were read by Nottingham's Medical Officer for Health, Dr Cyril Banks. He noted that the words, My last wish is that my relatives shall not know of my death, appeared to have been inserted after the original letter had been written, as they were, like, squashed in, they were, like, cramped cramped up in the space. Now, apparently, Ronald Sullivan had actually written the letter for Ada, but she had signed it, so presumably right. on her she signed it. But this still looks suspicious that the uh, these words mm-hmm. have been put in afterwards. So Dr. Banks was very suspicious, and he decided to order a post-mortem on Ada. And this revealed that she had elevated levels of morphine in mm. her body, Mm-mm. which had been enough to kill her. So suspicions arose around Louisa's death, and an exhumation was ordered, given that she had been buried. Her remains were also found to contain a considerable amount of morphine. No way. So, unsurprisingly, both Dorothea and Ronald were arrested and charged with the murders. Good. Now, Dorothea had recently given birth to her fifth child, mm-hmm. and she nursed it in prison. No way. Yeah. So that all happened in September 1935. On the 24th of February 1936, the couple appeared before Mr Justice Goddard at Nottinghamshire Assizes. Mr Norman Burkett led the prosecution and Mr J.F. Eales the defence. Ronald Sullivan was discharged by the judge on the second day of the trial due to a lack of any real evidence against him. Okay. (laughs) I thought he might have known something about what was going on, but nevertheless, he was discharged. And that left Dorothea to face the trial alone. The court heard of the forensic evidence of morphine poisoning and the testimony of Mrs Biggs, 
it was Ada's friend who had visited her the day before, and Dr. Mansfield. Dorothea's defence was that Dr. Mansfield, who was like Ada's doctor, had mm. had provided morphine tablets for Ada for when she was in pain. That's what Dorothea and her defence were saying. But the doctor strongly denied having prescribed any morphine tablets oh, that's for Ada or to Dorothea to give to Ada. Certainly, certainly not any morphine tablets. Um, no tablets at all, apparently. Yeah. Dorothea described to the court the last two days of Ada's life. According to Dorothea, Ada was depressed and in great pain, so she had given her up to 10 tablets of morphine over the two days and into the early hours of the Wednesday morning. That's quite a lot. When, when she then found her in a coma. Yeah. This information was contained in a statement made to the police on the 24th of September, which was after the post-mortem result was known. Okay. So whether she was, like, trying to cover her tracks, why? Mm. Yeah. But previously, Dorothea had told the police that Ada had been in good spirits, had eaten a large lunch on the Tuesday and appeared to be well. So, yeah, it kind of contradicted what... She'd first said by saying mm. she was well, and now she's saying, well, actually, I was giving her morphine for two days before she was found dead. But then again, Mrs. Biggs had seen her. Um, and said she was all right. She was all right, yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this conflicting evidence was less than convincing, as was her general performance in the witness box, mm. apparently. So on day three of the trial, and remember back in those days, these things happened <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. The jury took two and a quarter hours to reach a guilty verdict, but they added a recommendation for clemency. Mr. Justice Goddard, however, sentenced Dorothea to death, as he obviously did not concur with the jury's recommendation. Oh, wow. And neither did the Home Secretary of the time, John Simon. So that was in February 1936. Now, Nottingham no longer had an execution facility, so Dorothea was transferred to the condemned suite at Birmingham's Winston Green Prison, oh, just yeah. down the road from here. <laughs> Her appeal was rejected, and the execution was set for 8 o'clock on Thursday, the 16th of April, 1936. So again, it's two months after the yeah. guilty verdict, and uh, yeah, the date was set. And Dorothea was the only woman ever to be hanged at Winston Green. Anyway. A name that's becoming quite familiar to us now, Thomas Pierpoint, <laughs> assisted by his nephew, Albert Pierpoint, who was kind of like his successor, I think, um, yeah. as, the, as the 20th century went on. Uh, they carried out the hanging, and it was to be Thomas's last female execution, but Albert's first. Ah. Nice bit of synergy there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, passing on the the family yeah. business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dorothea was weighed and measured the day before, and she was recorded at four foot eleven inches tall, and she wow. weighed one hundred and twenty three pounds. She was little. She was quite little. Was short, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the shorter the person and the smaller the person, the longer the uh, the drop has to be on the yeah on the hangman's rope, and she was given a drop of 8 foot 5 inches. Okay. 
Large numbers of people had gathered outside the prison on the Wednesday afternoon to protest against the execution of a mother of five, even though she had poisoned two vulnerable people for financial gain. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) okay, she might have been a mum of five people, but she did kill. She did kill people. But so, yeah, yeah, she did. I suppose there is no but, is there? She did. (laughs) Yeah. If it had been a man who was a dad to five children and he'd killed two people and that was the punishment, he'd have been given the death penalty. They wouldn't have protested that. They wouldn't have done, I suppose. No, no. But the protest outside the walls of Winston Green Prison was led by the noted anti-capital punishment campaigner, Mrs. Violet van der Elst. By the Thursday morning, the crowd outside the prison had grown to an estimated 5,000, and they sang wow. hymns which could be heard within the prison. No way. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Well, it all happened very much on time. By 8.01, Dorothea was dead and hanging limply in the cell below the gallows. Wow. And she was immediately examined by the prison doctor using a stethoscope to ensure that she was dead. And then the execution chamber was locked for an hour. The pier points returned at nine o'clock, undressed her and put a rope around her body under her arms, lifting her up with a block and tackle which went over the gallows so they could mm. get the noose and the hood off her head. Her body was then lowered onto a stretcher and made ready for autopsy. A formal inquest was held and Dorothea was later buried in the prison grounds. So I presume someone took in her young children. Yeah. Especially the young baby who was only a few months old at that time. Or maybe maybe Ronald looked after them or family member or something. Yes, some of them were his, so. Yeah, yeah. So really that uh, that is the story of Dorothea Waddingham. Wow. It's an interesting story. Yeah, this I, I find that era of crime quite interesting. Yeah. Sort of the end of the 1800s, early 1900s. And yeah. Just the speed at which the whole trial and sentencing takes place in that era. Yeah. It's just like, go, go, go. Yeah. Get him in, get him out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she was guilty, I suppose, unlike Edith Thompson, who... Um, who yeah. probably it was very dubious that one wasn't it? But uh, I mean, she all but admitted it. So I suppose she did. Yeah, she said that she gave the morphine tablets, and that's what killed her. So, and it was she. She must have had some sort of involvement in the will change for them to die then so quickly. It does seem likely, doesn't it? Yeah, and yeah, for her to say that she wanted to be cremated and. All of that that looks don't, very and much don't tell my family. Don't tell my family. Died. <laughs> yeah, that looks very, very much like they were trying to cover it up, <laughs> and or she was trying to cover it up, and he must have been in on it. So I think if there is some unjustness, maybe is it that it, he yeah. should have take he should have had some sort of punishment for it because he was clearly involved somehow. Yeah, but I think you know she deserved to be punished for the fact that she killed two people. Yeah, the fact that she's a mom. So what? Like, <laughs> yeah, she killed people. She did, and I'm sure the young children would have grown up and thrived. I don't know. She, she probably should have thought about that before she decided to kill two people for well, their money. 
I suppose she thought she was going to get away with it, didn't she? That's the... <laughs> yeah, I guess people do. People don't commit crimes thinking that they're not going to get away with it, do they? No. Cool. Well, thank you very much. Are there some photos you can share? Yes. Yes, there are pictures that I can share. I'll put them in the usual places. I'll uh, I'll put them on our Instagram page. At Dad and Daughter Do Death. And on our Facebook page. Dad and Daughter Do Death. If you would like to contact us about this story or any of the other stories we've done, you can always email us at dadanddaughterdodeath at gmail.com. be good to hear from you. Let us know if you like these sort of stories from that era where, as we were just saying, people seem to get hanged for... Yeah. <laughs> Murdering would... people. Whereas these days they might get 12 years or something. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder what the sentence for, like, murdering two people, one being an old lady and one being a disabled lady, mm. after forging their will, would be. You'd probably get quite a significant sentence. I suppose, yeah. If if you kill someone, you should you deserve some sort of punishment. Yeah. And if that was the punishment that was given for that crime at that time. Like I said, if it was a man who'd done it, killed two people, um, would he be given the death sentence? Then just because she's a woman doesn't mean that she should be treated differently, in my humble opinion. Fair enough. Thank you very much for that one. That was um, an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good story. So thank you for sharing it. And um, yes... I will hopefully come up with something for you for next time. Uh, yeah, please do. I hope you're well enough to be able to. Um... <laughs> yeah, I didn't. It was supposed to be my turn tonight, but I didn't think that I could talk convincingly for that amount of time. You seem Thanks to do for... all right. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think I could have presented a whole. Uh, no, no, okay. Thing. Well, no, well, I hope you're feeling better soon, Phoebe. You ready for our next episode? Thank you. Yes, I look forward to it. <laughs> so until then. Join us next time when once again, Dad and Daughter do death.